everybody. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Friday, December 20th, 2019. We have finally reached the end of the work week. We have finally reached Star officially, officially have reached Star Wars Day uh, with the release of The Rise of Skywalker in theaters everywhere. And I, all I'm going to say is I think we need to be a little bit concerned about that. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com and site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice. Uh, let's get the little housekeeping out of the way before we get going here. Uh, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, I welcome you. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you may be consuming your podcasting. You can find us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. And you can send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So before we get into the game last night, full disclosure, I did not watch the game. (laughs) I I had the plans to. I, I was... You know, we were, my wife and I, we were just watching TV. It was about an hour before puck drop. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get ready, do some work, blah, blah, blah. And then at the very last minute, we scored last minute tickets to see The Rise of Skywalker. So we kind of axed that plan and decided to go watch the movie. Um, I I will say this because I'm going to save a review on the movie for a later date. I've been kind of talking about this a little bit. My plan is to have a segment where we will review the movie with someone who knows a lot more about Star Wars than I do, Um, but it will be at a later date, probably in the new year. I will say this. Overall, I thought there were good things, but I was kind of disappointed toward the end. That's all. All I'll say. That is all I will say. We will talk about it later at some other time with someone who definitely knows Star Wars more than I do. Um, but, you know, w- by the time I entered the theater, the game was tied at 3-3. And things were looking up for the Vegas Golden Knights going into this game against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, unfortunately the Golden Knights lost 5-4 in overtime to the Canucks. I went back and watched the game this morning, um, primarily just skimmed through it, watched the highlights, uh, well not just the highlights, but, um, skimmed through it, watched, kind of fast forward, rewind here and there. Um, a lot is going to be made today about the Golden Knights coming back and really securing a point after being down by two goals at two different times in this game. And for the most part, we can sit here and say that that is a, that is a worthy accomplishment. If, you, if, this t- if this team, if the team from two, three weeks ago that would be down two, three goals went into this game and were down 3-1, I don't think they would be coming back to at least get a point on the road against a division opponent. So... From that standpoint, mission accomplished. Uh, they they fought back d- down two goals twice, down three uh, one or two nothing, down three one, came back, tied the game, and then tied the game late in the third period on Mark Stone's uh, goal with four twenty to go, 
and you're playing a team that you've just played on Sunday. You've kicked their ass in their barn. You knew that Vancouver was going to come out firing, and they did. Elias Pettersson had two goals. Uh, Chris, T- Chris Tenev had the uh, game winner in overtime. Uh, you knew Vancouver was going to come out blazing after getting their asses handed to them um, in Vegas on Sunday. Um, but while I think it's valid to say that Vegas did what it needed to do to get a point, I don't think the defense played well in front of Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, that's kind of been the that's kind of been the underlying theme for the better part of this season. I don't think they played well in front of him. I thought Fleury was okay. Um, I think there w- there was a couple goals that he probably should have had. One of them being the uh, Tanner Pearson goal in the first period, which. I have no idea what Nate Schmidt was doing, deciding to uh, crouch in front of Flurry to kind of block the shot, I suppose. But at the end of the day, Tanner Pearson not only gets it through Mark Andre Flurry's five hole, he gets it through Nate Schmidt's five hole too. Uh, that was probably the worst goal um, of of the game given up by Flurry. And you know, there, there, you can make the case. You know, maybe he should have stopped the Tanev goal if Patchetti doesn't let him get behind him and over T in OT. You know, I, I think that that's a game that you just chalk up and say, okay, it, it, kind of like the Rangers game. You just whoop the team a week prior that you go into their house and they're in need of a win because they're fighting for playoff positioning and they go out and put up some put up a five spot on you. So you chalk it up to that, but good on the Golden Knights for getting, uh, getting a point there. I mean, that... That that really is an impressive point, given how they had so many chances in the first period, uh, didn't capitalize them. I think they had, I think it was what ten scoring chances in the first period, or something like that. And then Vancouver, they just took advantage of their scoring opportunities and they made the most of them. So the fact that they were down three one at one point in the first period, came back, tied the game within about a minute of each other. And to respond, down 4-3 off Elias Pettersson's second goal of the game, for Mark Stone to come back and tie the game, I think that that's a, that's a worthy accomplishment to be had. I mean, the top line also delivered once again. Carlson, Marshall, and Smith, both or all three of them had terrific games. Um, Max Pacioretty extended his point streak, uh, and obviously Mark Stone uh, extended his point streak as well. We'll talk a little bit uh, about... Mark Stone uh, in a little bit because I think there's there's a lot to be said about the Golden Knights and how well they've been playing in these last 12 games and the name Mark Stone really hasn't been coming up in conversation so we will talk about that uh, in, a, in coming up in a little bit but first if you are looking for last minute fun sports gifts for the holidays um, because you know Christmas is five days away holy cow uh, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t shirts around teams' pa- passionate moments. Great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on and then feel free to search the site for the shirts and the fun sports gifts that are coming your way. So I, t- I touched on this a little bit about Mark Stone. Um, is it crazy to say? that Mark Stone is flying under the radar right now. And he's probably, outside of opening the first couple weeks of the season, Mark Stone is having one hell of a stretch right now. Uh, 
with all the talk about Max Pacioretty and how on fire he's been, Mark Stone has been quietly rounding into form. Uh, Four consecutive multi-point games. He's got a six-game point streak overall after having six points total in his previous 17 games, and he's two points behind Pacioretty for the team lead in points. I, I think that that is a good thing to have. You got 13 points in your past 12 games in, during this stretch where the Vegas Golden Knights have gone 8-2-2 two, and two in the last 12. And really, we have not discussed Mark Stone, which is crazy. The highest paid player on the team, making $9.5 million. The pressure is on him to really deliver this year. And, you know, the Golden Knights going all in to try and at least get make a deep playoff run this year. And a lot of that is going to stem on the success of Mark Stone. And the fact that the Golden Knights have kind of gotten back into shape, now tied for first in the Pacific Division, the fact that we are here late December, and really we have not talked about Mark Stone. He's kind of gone under the radar with how well Max Pacioretty's playing, with how well William Carlson has been, with uh, Riley Smith scoring 14 goals, with Jonathan Marchessault kind of quietly having himself a very good month, month and a half. Uh, Mark Stone has kind of just been coasting. Again, 34 points this year. He's got 23 assists to 11 goals. He's been absolutely ridiculous. And I think that is exactly what you want if you're the Golden Knights. If other guys can produce and take the pressure off Stone. Not not to say that pre- that Stone is putting pressure on himself, but he is the superstar, right? He is the superstar skater. He's the Selkie finalist. He is the guy that you basically mortgaged your defensive prospect future to Ottawa and obviously, you know, what else they sent over to Ottawa in the trade really doesn't matter. But you took a you took a chance giving up one of your top prospects to get a guy who you feel can put you over the top and put you in contention for a Stanley Cup. And if you can get other guys to play well and to kind of take the pressure off Stone and not have him be the focal point, then that's a good sign. I remember I talked about it earlier in the year, and I think I might have mentioned it a lot last year. When you're talking about the formation of the Pacioretty, Stasny, Stone line, those guys, especially toward the playoffs, uh, were created to take the pressure off the Carlson line. Now I feel that it's kind of vice versa. That it's kind of vice versa and kind of uh, uh, inverted. You're looking at the top line, the Carlson line, who's been absolutely killing it right now. They're showing flashes right now of inaugural year top line. That's how good they're looking right now. Um, They're scoring very well. Max Pacioretty has been the primary scorer for the Golden Knights. And all in all, Mark Stone has just been kind of coasting. And not not coasting in a bad way, but he's coasting, putting up points, and he's he's looking like the superstar right now. And he's making some great passes. He's I think he's up to like 50 takeaways right now, which you know is a little bit off the pace of the 122 he had last year. Um, but he's over 50 takeaways. He's doing well on both ends of the ice. He's getting some PK time. He's doing everything that you could ask of him 
being your Selkie finalist and him being your superstar player. And he's really been doing very well in these last 12 games. Again, averaging over a point per game during this 8-2-2 stretch that the Golden Knights are on. And now four straight multi-point games, and he's got a six-game point streak overall. He has been absolutely outstanding. And I don't think it's been any coincidence that this production has come the moment that Chandler Stevenson has been moved to that second line. I think Stevenson has been making a huge contribution to that line with his speed, with his forecheck, his ability to make plays in the defensive zone that can spring those two for plays at the other end. And uh, I don't think you need to look very far than on Tuesday against Minnesota when Stevenson and Stone initiated a rush, a two-on-two rush, and Stevenson used his speed to go to the far post, and Stone, which is an incredible backhand pass, and again, the patience of Stone to get these passes off is still magnificent. He waits, 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 last minute, fires it to Stevenson off the far post, and he scores. Um, Stevenson has been making a big difference uh, in, in the midst of Cody Eakin and Cody Glass being out of the lineup right now. Um that's he makes that line go right now. Just the way that he initiates the offense because of his speed, because of his forechecking. Um, Stevenson makes him go right now. Stasny, I think, is going to make them lethal for a playoff run. I, I just think that line, after seeing how successful it was last year, it would have to take something miraculous to, to break that up going into the playoffs because you're going to want those three guys delivering at your most pressure-packed moments as, as evidence of last year. Um, I think we're going to discuss this a little bit closer to the deadline. I don't think it's going to have any bearing right now. But I will say this. Given the success of Chandler Stevenson, there might be more ways that Vegas could explore the trade market going forward. I'm not exactly sure what that will entail between now and the deadline in late February. I'm not saying that the Golden Knights should obviously make a trade. I'm just saying you made a move to get a guy who you've been wanting for a long time, and he is making plays. If you feel like this guy, who has really not been the uh, the prototypical point scorer throughout his NHL career, if you think he's going to be the difference maker, that opens up a lot of things when it comes to the trade market. Now, I'm not saying that the Golden Knights should trade a Paul Stasny, though it would help them tremendously in the cap game. But if you feel you can get away with Cody Glass once he returns, if you can get him to be your full-time third-line center and do something with Cody Eakin, then you're in pretty good shape if you're the Golden Knights because that's one way to unload off a contract. That's one way to get Now, again... I think the Golden Knights' best success, if they are to make a run in the playoffs, is going to be with Stasny on that line. But if the Golden Knights' management feels that they can make some sort of noise with Chandler Stevenson as their second-line center, I don't think anybody would be opposed to seeing what Vegas can do as far as moving anybody off. Now, obviously, I think your number one goal this trade deadline season should be first and foremost trying to get out of Cody Eakin's contract because that is going to be the easiest way to move Cody Glass 
into your lineup, and you can move Chandler Stevenson back to the fourth line if you feel that that is necessary to do. Now, I don't know if that's wise, because you like to see what Stevenson can do in a middle six role, but it opens up the possibilities of what Vegas can do. And I'm again, I'm not trying to speculate anything. I'm not trying to put any rumors out there. But it is something to think about that there's a lot of time now between now and the deadline on February 24th. There's a lot that can happen between now and then. And there's a lot that can happen if, you know, the Golden Knights keep winning like this. There are a lot of possibilities that can open up. Again, I think Stazzing's going to make that line go. But don't be surprised. And, and again, I'm not speculating anything. I'm not putting any rumors out there. Don't be surprised if it makes Paul Stasny expendable, if someone will take that cap hit of $6.5 million for the next two years. Then maybe Vegas can get into play for one of those defensemen that they want. It, it's something to think about. Again, I'm not putting anything out there. I'm not trying to break any news. I just feel that if they think they can keep winning with this core... Once Cody Glass comes back, once Cody Eakin comes back, it opens up the possibilities of what you can do is what I'm saying. You could also, if you want, if if you're able to move on from Cody Eakin, I think your next best bet, if you're able, if you keep Stasny, which I, again, I don't think they should trade Stasny, but if they were to consider the option of keeping Stasny, your next best bet, at least I think, would be somehow move on from Cody Eakin, move Stasny back to the line with Stone and Pacioretty, have Glass center your third line with Alex Tuck and Chandler Stevenson. Because I'm going to go on a limb and say the Valentin Zikov experiment is slowly dwindling down. His ice time has decreased in the last couple of games. I think he played... What, what was it, like 10 or 12 minutes last night? So it's not like that. It's not like Zikov is in the future plans. But the good thing about getting Chandler Stevenson is his ability to be versatile at multiple forward positions. And I think if you want to go that route, you put glass with two four checkers like that, that'll help a lot. That will help a lot. So again, not not trying to put any rumors out there, not trying to speculate anything all or not trying to, you know, put some kind of aggregate content out there. But I, I'm just saying the the success of the Golden Knights right now and how they perform in January is going to influence their trade market a little bit more, I believe I feel. And it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting to watch going forward, seeing how they can uh kind of get the best of what they can give up. But I'm just saying. All right, let's look around the league. Uh, I've, I lost count how many games there were last night. Seven, eight, nine, ten games last night, if you count the Golden Knights and the Canucks. Um, we gave you three games last night that uh, you want to look forward to, three games out of the ten-game slate that uh, you want to look forward to. And the first one was the Islanders beating the Bruins 3-2 to two in a shootout. That's the first win for the Islanders against Boston in eight games. 
uh, kind of shows you where the Islanders have been the last couple of years, and it shows you just how really good Boston has been. But the Islanders get the victory. Johnny Boychuk with a goal and an assist. Uh, Semyon Varlamov. Th- this is becoming the year of the the save of the year. This is becoming the year of the save of the year. Semyon Varlamov with an unbelievable glove, sla- glove save. Uh, Anders Bjork thought he scored. He was ready to turn around and celebrate like he scored, and Varlamov just reached out with the glove and made a spectacular save uh, to preserve any chance for the Islanders to win. A good win for the Islanders. Uh, Boston keeps on struggling right now. Obviously, I don't think it's going to last. But right now, the Bruins are struggling. It's opening the door for the rest of the teams uh, in the Eastern Conference. Kind of makes some headway there. Uh, the Minnesota Wild uh, decided to score a lot of goals last night and spoil Taylor Hall's uh, home debut at Arizona. Eight to five, the Minnesota Wild dominate the Arizona Coyotes on the score sheet. Uh, but more, more important than that, and bigger news there, Devin Dubnik, in his first start since returning to the team after being away since November 16th, taking care of his wife Jennifer, who's been dealing with a medical situation, uh, Devin Dubnik in his first start in over a month, uh, 35 saves on 40 shots. Absolutely spectacular. Uh, 3.9s for Zuccarello, Felino, and Stahl. 2.9s for Brad Hunt, Zach Parise, and Ryan Hartman. And Brad Hunt might have had the goal of the night. A sharp angle um, below the goal, near, nearly below the goal line, and he beats Starcy Kemper. Um, huge, rare scoring output for the Wild to put up eight goals. I mean, Nick Schmaltz had three points. Jacob Chikrin had two goals. Taylor Hall did have an assist on a great play to Phil Kessel, um, but rough night all in all for Darcy Kemper. Not only does he allow seven goals on 32 shots, he left with a lower body injury and had to be helped off with 3.08 to go. That is the worst-case scenario you could possibly have if you're the Coyotes with your Vesna candidate goalie going down with that kind of injury. Uh, but because of that, and because of the Golden Knights getting that one point, uh, we have a tie atop the Pacific Division between the Golden Knights and the Coyotes. Uh, Coyotes hold the tiebreaker right now, um, but the Golden Knights with 44 points, and the Coyotes with 44 points, if you had asked anybody that um, about a month ago, would you take that? I think the Golden Knights would absolutely take that. Uh, the game that I hyped up as a sleeper Stanley Cup final preview, the Carolina Hurricanes uh, nearly losing a one nothing game in Colorado, uh, scored three goals in the final 230. Uh, Andrei Svechnikov and Jacob Slavin score 117 apart in the third period. Sebastian Ajo with a uh, empty net goal to put it away. Carolina wins 3-1 to in Colorado. Carolina finishes uh, with nine of a possible 10 points on this five-game road trip. They go 4-0-1, impressive stretch for Carolina. James Reimer with 27 saves, made a few beauties few beauties outside of the goal scored by Gabriel Landeskog. The Metro division is starting to get interesting at the top. Canes are only two, back, two points back of the Islanders. I'm telling you, the Carolina Hurricanes are going to be a dangerous team this year. And if they add Justin Williams before the playoff run, that team is going to be scary. And and I would expect that team to make a big move at the deadline if they are po- if they can possibly do that. Uh, let's look at the other games around the league. Uh, the Dallas Stars were down 3-1 to one at one point to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning continue to be 
completely abysmal. Uh, down 3-1, the Stars come back to win 4-3 in overtime. Tyler Sagan with the game winner in overtime. Literally seconds after Tyler Johnson shanked one on a wide-open net. I, 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 do, I think uh, Matt Dumba and Tyler Johnson need to have like a come-to-Jesus meeting because you, how he missed that goal, I have absolutely no idea. Um, Tampa Bay had a 21 to eight edge in shots when they took a three, one lead and they outshot Dallas 48 to 20 overall and lost four to three, a bad night for the lightning, a terrible night for Andre Vasilevsky, a great night for Anton Kudobin, 46 saves, a good win for Dallas to kind of rally, even though they couldn't generate much offense, but man, Tampa has just been, man, that. Is there anything more than disappointment of the season? Because that would be the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. They should be in the thick of the thing, in the thick of things for the playoff race. I think they're I last I checked, I think they're five points back of the second wild card in the East. Tampa's gotta get it together, man. I, I don't know how in the world. Are, are they just that shell shocked after getting swept by Columbus? Is that what we're doing here? Man, another bad loss for Tampa. Uh, Flyers won six to one against Buffalo. Um, obviously the news coming out last week that Oscar Lindblom, uh, was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. It's a rare form of bone cancer, uh, likely won't play again this season. Um, but the Flyers come out inspired. Uh, they have Oscar strong shirts that they've, they'll be wearing underneath their jerseys for the rest of the year. Um, big night for the Flyers, three assists from Travis connecting two goals for, from, uh, James Van Riemsdyk. Philly at 19-11-5, very quietly under the radar in the second wild card, I believe, in the Eastern Conference right now. They are playing very well. Uh, Carter Hart's been fantastic, and the Flyers keep on playing well. Uh, Jack Eichel did not play due to an upper body injury. It was a late scratch, so his point streak ends at 17 games. Um, the NHL has this weird thing where even if you don't play, your official point streak's in, but your personal point streak continues the next time you play if you score points so technically the 17 game point streak by official tally of the national hockey league is over jack eichel could still very much go on like a 30 game personal point streak uh later on to this point uh the columbus blue jackets have won three in a row since john tortorella went nuts and called out his uh, team's effort a three to two victory uh in overtime against the los angeles kings and the blue jackets are still in the bottom dwellers status of the Eastern conference, but you know, good win for Columbus three in a row. Uh, John Tortorella needs to go on more rants. I feel uh, the senators with a five, four win in overtime against the Nashville predators, JG Pago with three assists, Anthony Duclair with a goal and an assist, but we don't need to be talking about that game. We need to be talking about why the hell on God's green earth is Thomas Shabbat playing in a, Abysmal, a a ridiculous amount of minutes right now. Okay, here is his last five games. Okay, if I don't, I don't know if Thomas Shabbat has said something wrong that has gotten uh, him to play all these minutes. I don't know if he has a picture of Pierre of uh, Eugene Melnick or Pierre Dorian. I, I don't know, but for some reason, the last five games. The Senators are trying to ensure that their young star defenseman does not survive any beyond the uh, status of his contract. Last five games, 
2235. Okay, that's normal. Then 3750. Now think about this for a second. Not only was that 37 minutes and 50 seconds, why is a defenseman playing 37 minutes? And here is here is the ridiculous part. Here, here is the most ridiculous part. Somehow, Thomas Shabbat played 37 minutes and 50 seconds on the 17th against Tampa Bay, and he took 30 shifts, okay? Tonight, or last night, Thomas Shabbat played 33-49 and had 35 shifts, which means he played four more minutes and took five less shifts in the last game against Tampa Bay. What in the world? Why is Thomas Shabbat playing this much? I mean, even if you look at the game log, he had 27-43 against Calgary, 25-01 against Buffalo on the 16th, you know, 27 here, 27 there. He had 30 against the Islanders on October 25th, 30 against the Rangers on October 5th. Like, why is Thomas Shabbat playing so many minutes? I, I don't think we're going to get an answer here. That is the most ridiculous. He might die. Thomas Shabbat might die at some point. This is getting out of hand. Um, all, in other games, the only two games left, uh, the Blackhawks go into Winnipeg and win 4-1. to Patrick Kane with four points on the night, a goal and three assists. And the Montreal Canadiens beat the Calgary Flames 4-3 to in overtime. Three straight L's for the Flames after winning the previous seven. And the Canadiens are second in the Atlantic. Another team that we're not talking about right now, but the Montreal Canadiens are going to make things a little bit interesting in that Atlantic division right now. So that's going to, that is our look around the league. And that is our, you know what? I'm almost tempted to do like every time the senators play, I I just need to look at how many, how long Thomas Shabbat is on the ice for 3750. And then he follows it up with 3349. Like, what? Like, I, and I get it's maybe sometimes games go into overtime. I don't think the Tampa Bay game went into overtime. I think they just played Shabbat 37 minutes. It was like, okay, well, here you go. Like, does Ottawa have this many injuries on the defense? Are, are they lacking a fourth line forward? I, I honestly have not looked at the Senators since they came to town against Vegas, you know, back in, what, what was it, early November, whatever it was. I haven't looked at the Senators since, so I don't really know their situation. But the fact that Thomas Shabbat has been playing that much is just ridiculous. Absolutely insane. So that's a look around the league. That is going to do it for our show on this Friday. Um, Golden Knights have a back-to-back next week before the Christmas break on Sunday. They will be in San Jose to take on the Sharks, I would presume. I'm just presuming. Malcolm Subban will be in net for that one. And then the Colorado Avalanche will be in Vegas on Monday as Vegas will try to avenge their uh, shell shocking that they received at the hands of the Colorado Avalanche number of weeks ago. So that is going to do it for us, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for your support on this podcast. It is always greatly appreciated. Uh, we will be back on Monday to break down the Sharks game, and we will be breaking and we will get you ready for the Colorado Avalanche on Monday. 
Uh, we will do an episode on Christmas Eve. We're probably likely not going to run one on Christmas morning, but then we'll be back on the 26th later on in the week. So that'll do it, guys. Thank you for listening. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And we'll see you on Monday. Have a good one. 